And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. We thank you so much for joining us. This morning, we continue with Pastor Elliot's sermon from Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29. In earlier broadcasts, we have seen that being religious is not the same as being saved. And we have also seen that the Jews who first read the book of Romans had privileges and made professions, but they also needed to be corrected. Today, we see that their poor behavior of hating the Gentiles profaned God. We jump into the passage at verse 24 of Romans chapter 2. And now, with his message for this morning, please welcome our very own Pastor Robert Elliott. Do we possess the Word of God, but the Word of God does not possess us? Do we, in some measure, go through the Word of God, but the Word of God is never allowed to go through us to change us? And so in this passage tonight, we've seen that Jewish people back then had certain privileges. They had certain made certain professions. They uh, were prosecuted by the prosecuting attorney, the Apostle Paul, who was writing under inspiration from God. But there's more to see here in this passage. Fourth point, the Jews profaning God. That's something we ought to see here in this passage. Verse 24, please. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Ouch. The name of God, and any red-blooded Jew would understand this, the name of God stood for all that he is, his character, his attributes, his uh, will, his decree. For the name of God is blasphemed made ordinary, made crass, made usual among the Gentiles because of you, religious but unconverted Jews. Ouch. The Jews profaning God is the fourth point in our outlines tonight based on verse 24. And the question to me that comes screaming out of verse 24 seems to be, when God's Old Testament people dishonored him, what did the world's people do? When God's covenantal people, the Jews, blasphemed God's name, what did those outside of the covenant community of being Jewish do with with God? Well, Isaiah 52, 5 is one summation of what happened. When God's people, the Jews, dishonored him and how the Gentile unbelievers responded, Isaiah 52, 5 describes this kind of a very sad situation when Judah was on the verge of falling into 70 years of Babylonian captivity due to flagrantly, repetitively dishonoring their God. Isaiah 52, 5, God speaking, Now therefore, what do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people have been taken away without cause? God is saying, you're going into Babylonian captivity and you think for no good reason? God continues. And again, the Lord declares, those who rule over them howl. And my name is continually blasphemed all day long. God brought judgment 
on Judah, 70 years worth in Babylon captivity because the Jews who were covenantal people to be in relationship with God in obedience, humility, and worship weren't living properly. And the result was that all the Gentile nations that observed this high-handed sinning by God's people howled, mocked, blasphemed, made ordinary, compared to idols, the true and the living God. Clearly, when God's Jewish people of the Old Testament dishonored God, the pagans observed it, and they dishonored God more. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, we are God's people. We are God's new covenant people. We are different than the Jews, but Jews can come to saving faith in Yeshua Messiah and be born again as we are. But we are distinctively different. We are the church, called out ones, the ecclesia, recipients of the new covenant. We celebrated the new covenant with the Lord's Last Supper this morning. What about us who have entire Bibles, complete Bibles, the indwelling, permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which Jews in the Old Testament had neither. They had neither a completed scriptures, nor did they have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have both. What about us? What about us if we would dare to dishonor God as the church? I'll tell you what happens. When the people of God dishonor the true and living God, Satan's crowd dishonors him even more. That's a responsibility because we are the only Bibles that some lost people are reading presently. Please hold your places in Romans 2 and go with me to Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through Matthew as a family of three verse by verse dinner times and we just finished the Sermon on the Mount. What a sermon that was. No wonder the people who heard it, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, consecutively, one sitting, one sermon, they said, my, teaches with authority. And in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, what happens when God's people dishonor God and, the, and Satan's crowd who watch God's people? What happens? Matthew 5, 13 to 16 tells us, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a the peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We don't want to put the light Jesus Christ has deposited into our lives under the peck bushel measure, the basket. We don't want to lose our saltiness to inhibit corruption and rotting in our society, because when we do, when the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, ceases to be salt, ceases to be light, puts a basket over the light who is Jesus Christ that we are to be reflecting, then the world around us gets worse, much worse. 
Our Lord Jesus alluded to this principle in this sermon that we've just touched down upon. Jesus again said that if you dishonor me and my truth and become tasteless salt, become covered over lamps, curtail good works, which I have planned for you to do from eternity past, then lost men and women and kids will not come to know God or to glorify him. That is serious business. I'll never forget the person who came to me in tears in another pastorate and said they shared their faith with their coworker, including the ramifications for not taking Jesus Christ as Savior before you die, hell. And the co-worker looked at the person who came to me from our church family in tears, and that co-worker said, if this is true, why haven't you told me about this a long time ago? Israel had been profaning God by the time that the Holy Spirit had Paul write Scripture to the Romans. May we not profane our lovely Lord, our holy Lord. May we not profane him in our speech, in our thoughts, or in our deeds. May we not leave unsaid what he once said. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue on... What we talked about last week is we talked about honoring our fathers and our mothers. And again, as I talked about last week, I know that some listening to broadcasts may not have a father and mother live with. They may live with their grandmother or aunt or whoever it is. And I want to, you know, look at it that way. You know, whoever it is you're living with, to honor them. And I think that we need to understand something about our parents. Our parents don't have an easy job. Think about it. Are you an easy person to live with all the time? And the answer is no. I know I'm not. Um, you know, I know growing up, uh, you know, I know I didn't always honor my parents and I know I didn't do the best thing. But I want you to know that God knows your parents. God knows the guardians. He knows who they are. And he's given them an honorable task. You see, God knows your parents and guardians aren't perfect, but the fact that they have taken responsibility for you is pretty special. You see, he has entrusted your parents or guardians with a special and really difficult task in raising you. You see, we need to understand that that is what's so key, that they have a job that is so difficult to do. And some of you will probably know this as you, you know, you have maybe babysit a kid or you may have a younger brother or sister and you may know all these different things. But imagine the job your parents have all the time, that they have to raise you. Even love you at times when you are yelling at them or doing things that they that you know isn't right. Again, we we see now there are many, maybe some of you here whose relationship with your parents or guardians isn't that simple. Again, whether it's because of divorce or sickness, death, or their own poor choices, some of you may have a relationship with a parent that's painful, complicated, or non-existent. And again, if that's you, I want you to know that I see what you're going through, and God sees it. And again, as we consider that, we consider this truth, we can know that God sees everything. God knows what you're going through. Honoring your parents is going to look a little different for you than it might look for a person who's right with you, another person in your school, because they have both parents in their house. They have both parents who love them and show them compassion and do things for them. But we have to remember that every home is in that way. 
And so when you consider that, and we again, as we looked at last week, honoring your parents is not an option. But I want you to also look at Proverbs 23, verse 22, and it says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. Again, we are to listen to them. We are to respect them. We are to honor them. But the one thing that we know the Bible is very clear, too, is this in Colossians 3.20, and we see it in Ephesians chapter 6. We know this. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Again, you are trying to please the Lord. And we see this, and we see two different things. As we see honoring our parents, we see listen and obey. First of all, we see listen in Proverbs 23, 22. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, tells us to listen to people who gave us life. Listen to our parents. Listen to those who we are living with, those who are in charge of us. Our parents may not be perfect, but they, they do know a thing or two about life and even about being a teenager. Think about that. As a teenager, sometimes we think our parents are so out of touch. We don't, they don't know what they're talking about. And I know that parents lived in a different era and things are different. But the reality is, is that we need to listen to them because they've been through things that you may not have ever been through. You know, I've heard it said um, a couple of times from different teenagers talking to them. And they say, well, I want to experience life for myself. I want to make my own mistakes. But your parents are trying to let you learn from their mistakes they made. But we want to try and make our own mistakes. And that's not what God wants. God wants us, he's given us our parents for wisdom and guidance. And again, as we see, as we first of all listen, we obey in Colossians 3.20. And the apostle Paul tells us children to obey their parents in every way. Not just some way, every way. You can honor them by obeying them without an attitude. We need to recognize, listen, and obey. Honor your parent is so much more than a law that's a thousand of years old. It's not just about following the Ten Commandments, but it's about showing them respect and honor and understand exactly like what the responsibility your parents have. You see, your parents have a difficult job raising you. Your parents have a job sometimes where, you know, when you consider not just they don't have the job just raising you, they have a job of making a living and, and, and paying bills and all these things. And, you know, sometimes the stress of that comes into play. But you need to honor them. You know, think about you for a second as a student. You know, I know that sometimes as students, you think that you are stressed out. You know, I have this test and that test and, you know, the, the exams. And you don't know what we have to do, the projects. But think about a parent for a second. Think about what they have to go through. In a sense of making sure the light bill's on, making sure the water bill on, making sure that there are other things around the house that you have that you may enjoy. They have to pay these bills and balance life and also take care of you. Again, it's, it's difficult. They have a tough job. So why you as a kid or a teenager, why you don't help your, your parents by just honoring them, respecting them? You see, by setting your mind and heart on the things of God and asking for help from the Holy Spirit, you can honor God by honoring your parents. You see, the credible thing about God is that He sees each and every one of us as people who are valuable and worthy of honor. You see, when God created us, as we said last week in Genesis chapter 1, when He created man, He said it was very good. Everything else He said it was good. But when He created man, it was very good. 
So again, as we close this session and we consider, you know, this truth and we consider, you know, what we're talking about honor and we talk about honoring our parents and we can, we close with that again, whether it's your mom, dad, grandparents or guardian, God is calling you to do one thing and that's honoring them, honoring him by honoring your parents. So I challenge you this morning. What is it that's stopping you from honoring your parents? What problems do you have that you need to iron out with your parents? What is it that you need to maybe go and apologize to your parents for? And maybe you may say this morning that, you know what, I haven't honored my parents all these years. And I want to start to do that. Why not talk to them and apologize and say, mom, dad, whoever it is, I want to honor you. And I want to honor you because this is what I'm supposed to do. And the Bible tells me this. And I want to respect you. And I understand your job is very hard to do. But I just want you to know that I love you and that I care for you. And I want to honor you. This is Pastor Nicholas in another of You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning, listeners. I'm really excited again to be in the radio studio with my friend, Patrick Rutherford, who is the regional director with Precept Ministries for the Caribbean. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Thank you. And it is a good morning because we get to chat about godly wives, yes. and we happen to have one each. Amen. My wife's name is Beth, and your wife's name is Mona Lisa. Yes, indeed. So... Um, in basic terms, Patrick, what is a godly wife? Oh, my goodness. Pastor Rob, my, my default answer is going to be, I don't know, because I'm living it. Um, every day I watch my wife do something that just leaves me with my mouth open. 22 years of marriage. And when I expect her to do something in the flesh, she does something totally spirit-led that leaves me and all of our children just floored. A godly wife, Pastor Rob, to me is a woman who's willing, who has the audacity to live out the truths of God's Word in obedience. I totally agree. It's not original to me, but someone has said that uh, a woman wants to work to be as godly that her husband has to go through Jesus to get to her heart. I like that. Because Jesus has her heart. I know that Beth loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, right. Indeed. Born again, growing, Bible obeying, and, and applying a woman who um, just models uh, an incremental um, growth in being more and more like Jesus with Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what are some of the blessings, you, could you tell us, what are some of the blessings of being married to a godly wife? Some of the blessings of being, well, the, the Word of God is going to stay in the forefront. Uh, I have this tendency, Pastor Rob, to do things on my own. Mm-hmm. My wife is so, ever so quick and diligent to make sure, Patrick, what do you think God's heart is on this? What do you think God's Word has to say about this? Great question. And so that is one of the direct benefits uh, uh, for me immediately. Um, Pastor Rob, I've been married 22 years. And it's just in recent times I've discovered how important it is to pray. Um, My wife, during those 22 years, has been asking God if she and her husband could pray more together. 
She was making that her request of God, of God, and letting God move on your heart as her husband. She never nagged me, Pastor. Wow, Ryan. that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I would say there's so many uh, uh, blessings of being married to a godly wife. Uh, her f- quickness to forgive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way she keeps confidentiality and doesn't uh, talk poorly behind my back to anyone else. I've said in the pulpit that if anybody came to me and said that Beth had run me down anywhere where I was not present, I would know they were a liar. That's exactly right. Because it would never happen. She talks to me privately about things that um, I need to hear. uh, But she doesn't run me down in public, and I don't run her down in public. Wonderful. What would you say to the unmarried Christian woman? There's there's going to be unmarried uh, Christian women who are listening to us this morning. What would you say on this topic of being a godly wife? What would you say to the sister in Christ that's listening and she's not yet married? One of the things I would say to that to that unmarried Christian woman who's listening today, if you're not prepared to respect your husband to be, if you're not res- prepared to submit to his authority in a godly fashion, you may not be ready for marriage yet. I think that's very true. I was speaking to a lovely uh, single uh, Christian sister in church, my study this uh, week. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I shared with her was that um, God has made uh, men to be initiators and women to be responders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so any dating relationship uh, that would possibly lead to marriages, learn to take godly initiation from the man you're interested in and yeah. not try to take it over for you. Correct, mm-hmm. correct, correct. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the other thing what we've been telling our, our two daughters uh, is this is that time period now for them while they're single to make sure that they're so grounded in the Word of God that when Mr. Wright does come along, God's Spirit has been so working in their lives that he doesn't have to shout. He just gives you that nudge and He's the one. That's so good. And you referenced Mr. Right. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of women who have uh, settled for Mr. Half Right. <laughs> and uh, what I always say is that nothing changes when you walk down a, uh, an aisle of a church to a marriage altar. No. You basically aren't going to become a spiritual giant if you had no interest in the Word of God as a single. Correct. So uh, part of being a godly wife, if God wills for you to be married, is to be the the godly single woman that God wants you to be right where you are. Right. Now, what would you say, Patrick, to the married Christian woman, someone who is a wife, a Christian wife, uh, along these lines of being a godly wife? You know, Pastor Rob, uh, a couple of sessions back, we talked about mentoring. And Titus talks about the older woman teaching the younger woman. Yes. I think every married woman should have an older woman, quote unquote, in their lives, someone who's mentoring them. Because they're going down a path that they've never gone before. And what great resources are in the church, in the older women who are able to say, sweetheart, when you get here, uh, if I may, think about the issue of menopause. How do you deal with that? You hear so many horror stories about what's going to happen when the big M hits. Mm -hmm. Well, if there's an older sister there who's able to walk you through that, guide you through that, be able to hold your hand. Uh, through that, uh, however long it is, whether it's a month or a year or whatever. And so to the married woman, I would I would say again, prayerfully be asking God for someone who can mentor you through through the tough stuff of life. Oh, I think that's so good. It's countercultural to be a godly woman in our day. 
like it's countercultural to be a godly man in our day. And I would say to a godly a woman aspiring to be a godly wife is don't take your cues from culture. No. Don't take that from Oprah or television oh, sakes, or no. uh, advertisements Correct. or uh, even what some women who are outside of the church and some women, frankly, who are inside of the church who don't see things God's way. They don't think the Bible is, uh, shall we say, uh, relevant for whatever reasons. Don't take your cues from those sources, but like you say, be grounded and rooted in God's Word, mm-hmm. which involves making time for God's Word each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Rob, every woman who has called my house wanting to speak to Mona Lisa, and I, I can say this without any fear of being contradicted, my wife has taken the, taken the Word of God and said, Sister, let me show you what God's Word has to say. If you're going to be successful in this area, it's going to start with you growing in the Word of God. God's Word does the changing, not me. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, last thing maybe we'll say in this segment is that um, you may be listening say, well, how do I know God's Word well enough to mentor someone else? How do I know, how do, can I know God's Word to the point that when someone phones me, a woman phones me and says, this is my issue, that I know where to go in the Bible? Well, I would say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first stride. Indeed. So you may not be where you want to be or where you need to be, but just start somewhere mm-hmm. and stick with it. And God will bless your appetite for His Word, and He will help you to get a handle uh, at least a basic handle on what's in the in the holy book so it'll help your life in turn you can help others lives he promised he would yes, yes. Yeah. thank you brother Patrick anytime you've been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church Nassau Bahamas our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.